Welcome back, everybody. It's time again for Living Hope. Our weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With the woman who knows, I want to say a little bit more than just a little about this subject, uh, Roberta Luna, 20-year survivor. Welcome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Sorry if you were, were a little late and we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but, you know, that's what happens when you go live and we're all over the place, right? I'm extremely honored today to have Cindy Price Gavin, founding executive director, and Dr. Allison Ocean, chair, scientific advisory board, co-founder of Let's Win Pancreatic Cancer, joining us today. Hi, ladies. How are you guys? I know. Thank you for your patience. I know we're a little late getting started, but I just am so thankful that you both are here today. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Can you just kind of share a little bit with people like who you are and what, what you are doing at Let's Win? Uh, Cindy, you want to start? Sure. Uh, I'm Cindy Gavin, and I'm the founding executive director of Let's Win. Let's Win launched in 2016 with a goal of breaking down the barriers between the doctors, the patients, and the researchers, and helping patients get the best treatment options for pancreatic cancer. When we launched in 2016, we launched with 15 stories with a goal of publishing new science content every three days. I remember when Allison and Anne, our late co-founder, told me that they were going to have new science every three days. I thought that these they were crazy, um, but I'm really, really thrilled to say that I could not have been more wrong. And today we have over 650 unique science-based stories on Let, Let's Win. And we have over 200 patient stories and over 50 survivor videos, including you. Yes, thank you. I've been very honored to be part of that and just very thankful. And um, thank you both for, for what you've done. I, I don't know, Cindy, and maybe you'd rather not answer, but do you have a connection with pancreatic cancer at all? I don't. My, I always say my grandmother had four cancers from the time my mom was four, and I could probably say cancer before I could walk. And I've worked in many cancer spaces, but pancreatic cancer seems to be one that needs the most help. So here I am. Well, thank you for that. And I, I have to agree. I think it is the cancer that needs the most help. I wish, of course, we could get rid of all of them, but this one is the most devastating, I think, and really the most overlooked. So thank you for all you do, especially with not really having a connection. I really do greatly appreciate it. Um, Dr. Allison Ocean, thank you for joining us today. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Let's Win? Sure. Uh, thank you, Roberta, for having me. This is awesome. I'm very happy to be here during Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, so I'm a medical oncologist at Wild Cornell in New York City. I, um, about seven years ago or so, yeah, now it's close to seven years, my patient, Ann Glauber, came to me with an idea that she wanted, as Cindy mentioned, wanted to um, have all the patients have access to the best therapies in real time 
and the best scientific knowledge and information about and research about uh, pancreatic cancer. And so she said that we need to figure out a way to crowdsource this information and also to change the message that patients are getting, that there are no good therapies, that they're going to die soon, that don't worry about treatment. One is worse than the next. These were the messages that Anne got when she was originally diagnosed. And then, uh, honestly, a lot of my patients had heard um, before I had met them. They were getting messages of resignation. And so we got together and formed Let's Win. And fast forward, now we are an internationally recognized organization where we are at the forefront of bringing the knowledge about the best treatments, clinical trials, and treatment stories to everybody affected by pancreatic cancer. Yeah, thank you. And and I can really understand what Anne was telling you because I know, you know, when I was diagnosed, I was told, you know, to go home, put my house in order because nobody survives this disease. But, you know, we'll start treatment to give you a few good, hopefully extra months. So being told that and also hearing that um, with my dad and my uncle and my mom when they were all diagnosed with pancreatic cancer as well. So to have, you know, that's something we really need to change that it doesn't have to be a death sentence. And there is things that we can look at and we can do and we need to move forward. And being November, which you already brought up, is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month and really appreciate everything that you are doing. So how do patients or people who want more information about your organization and what you're doing, how do we find you? So Let's Win is an online platform, so anyone can find us online. As Allison shared, we um, we have a reach internationally. And as you know, Roberta, social media in uh, advocacy work is incredibly important and helpful. And uh, we have a very robust social media platform which directs patients. We also spend a lot of time investing in what's called search engine optimization to make sure that patients can find us, to make sure that our articles have the words that people are looking for and the way people are looking to find treatment options. So sometimes we actually use uh, ways to get people to find us through having conversations about symptoms, about diabetes and the link between diabetes and pancreatic cancer, uh, as well as family history, because that's an important way to start that dialogue. What is the association with Garden, the Lusgarden Foundation? So Lusgarden is the, the uh, world's largest private funder of research, and Let's Win is an affiliate. We were, we were actually born inside of West Martin, and about five years ago, we spun off. But we serve as the communication vehicle for not only West Martin, but for all the other advocacy groups doing incredible work. We're there to amplify the voice of the doctors. We've posted over 175 medical professionals um, from 80 institutions, and we share the work of Lusgarten and Pancan and others who are heavily invested in the research of pancreatic cancer. And you're also, you are a member of the, let me see if I can get it right, the World Pancreatic Cancer Coalition. <laughs> That's a yeah. mouthful, but you're also a member of that. 
Yeah, so I have, for the last uh, six years, have been on the steering committee and have co-chaired the annual World Pancreatic Cancer Coalition meeting, which is a, a partner in, in partnership with PanCan. We have almost 100 members around the world. And what I would say about, we call it the WPCC, the WPCC is, is a powerful group of people that are moving to partner together for a common mission. This disease is, is too bad for us to go at it alone. And the many organizations and the work that we do partner and are, play different uh, pieces of the puzzle. So um, it's, it's an honor to be on the leadership team of the coalition. So you collaborate together and share information? Is that how this all works? Because I know, you know, a lot of people are concerned that each organization wants to be the one to find the cure or the early detection, but I don't think that really is going to work. We all need to work together to really make this happen. So is that what happens with you guys? Yeah. So it's, it's a way to share best practices. It's a way to put all the pieces of this puzzle together. When Let's Win started, and I've said this, I've always said this, we don't want to recreate the wheel or duplicate effort. That is a waste of resources and not a way forward. So our goal is to forge meaningful partnerships with others that are working in this space and to make sure that we are advocates of their work um, so that we can help patients in this fight. And I, I, you guys are doing a, a really great job, like I said, and thank you. I have been part of your survivor stories, and it's really, I mean, to see when I first did the first one, there was, you know, just a few of us, but to see the growth, it's really amazing. And I really think it's really great for the survivors to be able to go on there and, and hear these these stories that we are surviving. And Dr. Ocean, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot to say, so please, you know, if I do, please let me know. But <laughs> if a patient comes to you and they've just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, what is the first thing or what do you do or say to them? The first thing I say to them is that there is always treatment. And that's what they need to hear right away. There is always treatment because they don't want to hear, you know, negativity. You only have an X amount of time to live. Uh, I can't help you you're going to have a horrible death, you know, things like that. This is what I am told by patients that people have told them. And it's, it's really bad that, that you have to come into a challenging illness with already negativity. So I always tell them that there's treatment. And then what I do is I, we have a way of finding out what that treatment looks like. And it involves finding out the genetics of the cancer. So doing somatic testing, which is testing the tumor itself for mutations, the tumor biopsy, as well as doing genetic testing on the blood to see if we can uncover any mutations that could help us with treatment. So th that's basically what I do in the first visit with someone. Um, I I try to see if they're eligible for a clinical trial that we have going on at Cornell. I try to educate them about clinical trials in general, that it shouldn't be looked at as a last resort, that it should be looked at as perhaps the first thing you consider, because 
a clinical trial always includes the best treatment that we have so far plus something else additional. And that something else additional is experimental. It's not FDA approved, but it can make the standard of care that we have even better. And so I encourage patients to look into clinical trials. And if we don't have one at our center that fits the, the patient, I try to help them find one that's near where they live if they're coming from far away, or even if they're if it's across the street from my institution. I just I want someone to feel that they're that they're getting treatment that is geared towards them. I tell everybody that every case that I see is unique and one is not anything like the rest because it's very, very true. People respond differently. People, um, one person could have a side effect to a medicine, you know this, for any medicine. And then, you know, the majority of people never have a side effect. Someone's allergic to this one, but not allergic to 99% of the population isn't allergic to it. So everyone's case is unique. And that's where we have to focus and make sure that we figure out the vulnerabilities of that person's cancer so that we can best treat it so that they can get better outcomes. Yeah, a lot of the misconceptions I always run across and people say is, one, they're worried about getting a placebo, and two, they don't want to feel like a guinea pig. How would you address that? What's the best way to address those issues when they come up? There are trials that do include placebo. So uh, those trials, the reason why they include a placebo is because they're in order to find out if, let's say, drug A is effective, we need to have two groups on the study, two cohorts or two arms on the study that where one of them, one of the arms or one of the groups gets the intervention or the experimental agent and the other one does not because if both groups got it we wouldn't know we wouldn't be able to scientifically see that there's a benefit to to that group right so we need to randomize patients into groups where one gets the actual experimental drug plus the standard of care so they're not getting just something that we're not sure about the efficacy of and then the other group gets a placebo for that drug now, keep in mind that what I tell people is that the reason why we're able to do this ethically is because we do not know at this point in time whether drug A is going to make you live longer. We don't know that. And so that's why we have to, you know, do these scientific studies very, very carefully and very according to um, statistics and, you know, just very, very well-controlled studies. The other thing that I wanted to, that I tell people about is that if you're on a clinical trial and it's going on, there are many different evaluation points along the study where the, everyone on the study is, where, and the researchers are going to look into the efficacy of it, and they're going to look into the safety of it. And if they find out that this drug is not safe, or if they find out that this drug is working in the people that are getting it, but not working in the placebo group because it's a placebo, then they have to, by ethics and by law, give that information to the group 
and we call that unblinding the study and telling the group that actually this drug works and now we need to give it to everybody. So there are set evaluations along the way in a trial so that we don't we aren't we aren't taking away therapies that could be valuable to the group that's not getting them. Roberta, what I want to add to that is that not everybody has Dr. Ocean. So when we when Let's Win was born, the idea was that the Let's Win platform would educate patients and guide them to get to treatments and to clinical trials. So on the Let's Win platform, you will find uh, information about what is a trial and how to get to a trial in lay terms. So it really lays out for people a, a path forward and the, the ways to get to navigate and advocate for themselves. I mean, I had a question come in. Can you just explain briefly what a placebo is? Sure. Uh, placebo is actually a, you could call it a sugar pill or a pill that has no minor ingredients just to make up a pill um, that doesn't have the active drug in it that's being tested. So a placebo is just a, it looks exactly like the pill that, it, that the patient is taking, so they can't tell the difference between what the active pill is what the real medicine is and what the placebo looks like. They cannot tell that. But we know which one is the placebo and the, which one is the active pill. So if they are getting the placebo, do they get the standard of care that's happening at the moment yes. as well? Yes. Okay. Okay, thank yes. you, because that's something people are really kind of... Yes, they get, at a minimum, they're getting the standard of care, correct. Roberta, that's one of the things that is laid out clearly on Let's Win, because that's really one of the questions that people feel that if they enter, people are concerned that if they enter a trial that they're not being treated. But Allison and our website explains clearly that it's what the standard is today plus, or the standard is today as the standard. So people are always treated on a clinical trial. Okay, good. Thank you for clearing that up because that is one of the misconceptions when you hear a placebo. Somebody's thinking, I'm just going to get the sugar pill. So for them to know that they are also going to get what is the standard treatment for to, for that particular time is very helpful and important. I don't know that people really understand that clinical trials are so important because that's the only way we get our, our drugs, our treatments is through that. So it's important for everyone to consider it if possible. Is there anything else that you'd like to say on regards to that before I go anywhere else? Or are we okay with this? I actually want to bring something up about standard of care that's relatively new, and that's genetic testing. And I think that that's something that we as, as a, a group spend a lot of time educating people about their right to standard of care genetic testing, which is not only important for their um, treatment protocol and the, the maybe the options that are available to them, but also important for their family to know if there is a familial risk related to their cancer. This just became part of the nas national guidelines this last year. So, and it still is not, it's still not adopted everywhere. People are still not getting 
uh, genetic testing when it's part of the national guidelines. Every patient who's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer should ask their doctor for genetic testing, both of their blood and of the tumor biopsy. Yeah, I've been or tried to do the genetic testing a few times and they've come back inconclusive. So we're going to be doing them again because I guess over time things get better. Um, do you hear that a lot or is that kind of a rarity? I, we do. I mean, I think back of even like during my days of fertility and the advances that get made in, in a 10-year period. And I think that there's always new uh, genes and Allison is a medical doctor. She could speak more to this, but there's, there's um, always development in this area. So I think that the tests are improving um, with time. The reason why we're collecting all this data when we do these tests is to make sure that to see if we're going to come up with something new and different and then that will improve upon what we already know. And so we, a lot of times patients get notified uh, uh, that one of the mutations that they found in their genetic testing where researchers thought or we all thought that it wasn't significant now is significant because more people are they're finding it coming out in more people so they actually notify the person who got tested and say hey we we didn't realize that this gene was important before but now that there's more knowledge about it it is important and we need you to know that so people who go through this process are notified and their family members are notified if there are any changes that happen with their genetic testing. Is there any idea or any way of knowing? I mean, is it, is most people who are diagnosed, is it genetically related? Is it environmental? Is there any way of knowing yeah. that? Yeah. So it is not the majority that are genetically related. Only about 10 to 15% of pancreatic cancer is connected to an inherited gene mutation, that something you inherit from your parents. Majority of cases are due to environmental factors and, and risk factors such as smoking, such as pancreatitis, such as diabetes, uh, such as uh, alcohol use, and then there are other risk factors. The African-American population has a higher risk of, of developing pancreatic cancer. So environmental and race are the majority of the risk factors here. And then genetics is 10 to 15%. It's a subject and I'd really love to have you come back on, but it, it's like time goes by so quickly, it seems like when we're here. And just, I want to touch real quickly because I know, you know, this is National Cancer, I'm sorry, National Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. We have Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Day, which on is on November 17th this year. Is Let's Win, are you guys doing anything in particular or special on that day? We sure are. We are launching Let's Win 2.0. Um, we, we started with 15 stories. Now we have over 650 growing each week. Um, all of those videos that started with you in LA uh, five years ago, we have over 50 now. And the new site is truly an editorial platform. It's kind of akin to the New York Times. Um, it's really intuitive. It's really user-friendly. It's really beautiful. And we're launching and going live next Thursday. So we would love to come back and talk to you about the new site 
and uh, share how, how that will make a, an impact uh, for the pancreatic cancer community. Well, like I said, I'd love to have and you And we're also, back. we're also, sorry to interrupt, we're also no. having a, a, a fundraiser that's, that's virtual too, so people can go on our website and find out more information about it, letswinpc.org. And you can attend in New York, the uh, virtual fundraiser if you're not in New York or join us in person if you are in New York City. Actually, I did sign up for the virtual, so I'm really excited. November 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> goes by really quickly and we are at that portion of our, our, of our episode where um, we do dedicate each episode to somebody. Um, as long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. And today's dedication is to Anne Gal Galber. Did I say your name correctly? Galber. Galber. Thank you. I just thought I, I read on the website just, you know, so much about her and I wish I would have had a, the chance to get to meet her and know her, but I hope um, her legacy is continuing this mission with pancreatic cancer. And I just want to thank you both for being part of that and for coming to join me today and just for all the support that you both have given me and that Let's Win has given me through the years. I greatly do appreciate it. And thank you for, for being here today with, with all these technical difficulties we've experienced, but I, you know, I do appreciate it. And with that, we end our show today here and thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again for future episodes as we continue our weekly journey called Hill Living Hope designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Lots of places you can call, lots of numbers. Check with us if you need any. And if you know anybody that wants more information, reach out to us here at the station or through Roberta Luna's many social platforms like the Facebook page for Living Hope. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next. This is Paul Roberts from the OC Talk Radio Network saying thanks for joining us and please share this story with someone you know.